please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, it's so good to be here today. You bless us in our families, and sometimes they seem so small and, and the story's so little, but they impact us so greatly. So bless us this morning as we look at Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and their family and the marvelous kindness that you showed through them and the legacy that is ours today through them. So I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of the joys of being a pastor and of being your pastor here is having been here for a long time. My wife and I started here when you called us out of Wisconsin in 1993. And uh, when we came here, we had one uh, little guy who was just about two, and, and now that little guy is about 27, and his little sister who was born and is about 23, almost 24 in December. And, and so I've, I've, I've walked with you and, and baptized a number of your kids and grandkids. I've, done your weddings and your funerals, and, 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 and part of being in a church for a long time is, is that you get to know the, the people, and so you cry when your people cry, and you laugh when your people laugh, and, and we, all, we all get the jokes when, when you come up to me and elbow me and go, remember that wedding? I smile and go, yeah, I remember that, and, and that's a super, super good thing. It makes community like this, and it links our hearts and lives together in a way that is godly and loving and kind. And when you ask me about the things that mark our church, I would say one of the things is kind and warm relationships. And I love that. I, I enjoy that and, and love that part in this season of ministry. Uh, and, and this morning we get to have a rather mature sermon and a mature service together while all the crazy kids are over in the auditorium jammed with the preschool singing. And so I'm mindful of where I've been and with a, with a lot of you, and yet God continuing to renew our church, God renewing our church by bringing young families to us, and, and that circle, that cycle continues to be a powerful, powerful mover at St. John's. I used to be the young, good-looking guy that did all the weddings, and they'd call me and say, can you come on Saturday night at 8 o'clock to Temecula and do this wedding? And I would say, yes, I would love to come to Temecula at 8 o'clock and do your wedding and be back to church at 6 for 8 o'clock service on Sunday morning. And, and I had that kind of energy where I could just get up and go. And, and I still have pretty good energy, but I, I don't get invited to do those weddings all the time anymore. Trevor, Pastor Nate, the young guys, they get invited to do the weddings. They're the eye candy of the pastoral staff. <laughs> But I get to do the funerals. Pastor Russell and I share any number of funerals. And it's really in that point of grief where you learn a lot about a family. You, they, they are in a place where you open the, the conversation and, and I'll say something like, can you please tell me the story of Jack's life? And Jack's family will tell you the whole thing from birth to death to heaven to faith to all of those things. And I remember those funerals. Some of them are very sweet and some of them are very difficult. But I remember Jack and Mary Ann's. Both of them died in close uh, seasons to one another. And perhaps that was because they were so, so joined at the heart. Jack and Mary Ann Harris were beautifully kind and loving people. 
If you went to Orange High in the 50s and 60s, you, you knew Marianne as the attendance secretary. And, and, and Marianne, I, I don't know how she ever wrote a tardy slip in her knife because she's the nicest, kindest person in the whole world. It must have almost been painful for her to look at a kid and say, I'm sorry, you're 15 minutes late. Here's your slip. You got to go to class and there's detention that'll follow. It's just kind of, I can't imagine that because in her later part of her career, Marianne worked here. And Marianne was the one who would always stop me at the door and say, do you know who this person is related to, Pastor? And I would say, no, Marianne, I don't. Can you share that with me? And she would say, kind of like the gospel reading today, this is Julie, daughter of Fred, son of George, cousin of... And you're like, I know that name. And she'd say, how do you know that name? And I said, well, their kids are in our youth group. And she'd say, oh. And then you'd go to the hospital and visit. And you'd say, how's your grandson, son of Fred, George? You know, and the people would marvel. They'd say, you are the best pastor in the history of the world. You know everybody in the whole church. And I'd say, I only know them as well as Marianne knows them. <laughs> and then we'd get back and she'd say dutifully, do you have your card and the notes on the visit? This is before we tracked everything on the computer. And she'd say, you sit right here, Pastor Tim, and fill out this card and give it back to me and then we'll be in good shape warmth, love. And her husband was just like her. Jack is the kindest, most loving man in the world. When I started here in 1993, Jack had either just, because was, was just kind of finishing up serving as an elder. I believe that Jack served as an elder for years and years. I think he also served on the school board for years as well. And, uh, and, and he was a leader, but he was a leader that didn't need to stand up and take the bully pulpit to lead. Jack led from this deep moral conviction that the church was here to lead people to see Jesus Christ and the schools and every ministry should be focused laser point on leading people to Jesus. From what I understood from the family at Jack's funeral, which was years ago, Jack's family throughout the depression didn't have any money and so it was hard for them to raise him. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Jack was kind of farmed out to family here in Orange County. And his family loved him and raised him. He went into the Navy. But there was always this beautiful smile on his face. As I close my eyes, I can still see the portrait from his funeral. Never a crossword. Never a mean thing to say. Never a sarcastic crack. But yet they made an impact. Jack and Marianne Harris, their son-in-law and daughter with us today, Rosie and Jeff. Impact. They won't have a name in a history book, except maybe of St. John's in Orange. They haven't enacted legislation or passed all sorts of crazy things. They never caught a touchdown pass, although Jack enjoyed that. They lived lives that some would say were kind of small, but those of us who knew them would say their lives were filled with impact because they were kind and they loved people. And their impact is felt among their family and friends to this very moment. If you ask me to characterize Jack and Marianne Harris's life, I would say they were loving and they were kind.
And anyone who knew him would nod their head and say, absolutely, Pastor Tim. So in our series this morning, we come to Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. There's a, a story where there's not really a mean, evil person anywhere near these four chapters of the Bible. You, you'd have to dig to find one, and even then I could wrestle you out of it after church. There's just not a, a nasty part of this story. But, but the times were rough. The people of God were living in the land of the Canaanites, and they were losing their identity, and they were thinking that the idolatrous ways of the Baal gods looked good. And, and in the midst of that is this beautiful, warm story about family. Not necessarily about Jack and Marianne, but like Jack and Marianne. It's Ruth and Naomi and Orpah and Boaz. And in a difficult time, in a conflicted time, yet God worked in this unique little family a marvelous story that brought forth a, a, a consequence that changed all of our lives right here and right now. So you could have to, you'd have to look in your Bible. I would offer it'd be a great thing to do this afternoon. The NFL just isn't that. You can watch football if you like, but the Ruth, story of Ruth and Naomi and Boaz is way better than the second game today, just saying. But, <laughs> but I'm not going to read four chapters of Ruth to you, and we couldn't throw that all in the bulletin today. But here's a little Clink's Cliff Notes on Ruth and those four chapters. Naomi, who's Ruth's mother-in-law, has a real problem. Her husband and both her sons died. And there was no social security system. There's no insurance for her. And so she's broke, and there's a famine, so she's hungry. And she has very little hope for a better life. There was a, a whole system set up of who marries who and how that works. And so it would all be okay, and it wasn't okay. They were kind of down to the bottom of the bottom. And, and they said, well, let's, let's go. Naomi turns to Ruth and Orpah and says, you guys go, I'll be fine, it'll be okay. And Ruth says these beautiful words to her mother-in-law, mother-in-law, kindness toward her mother-in-law, just, okay. <laughs> Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back to you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so Ruth, who was a Moabite, goes back to Israel with Naomi, her mother-in-law. And with the famine, there's nothing to eat. And so Naomi says to Ruth, why don't you follow after the harvesters and you can pick up the stuff that's left behind. Ruth is noticed by Boaz, who's a, a kinsman redeemer, and we'll get to that later in the story. But Boaz takes interest in Ruth and he looks at the pickers and he says, you protect her. You make sure she's okay. You make sure none of those nudniks out there picking the hired hands gives Ruth any, any trouble. Boaz is an honorable, loving, kind man. And then when the harvesters do too good of a job picking up the stuff, as Ruth gleans behind them, Boaz says, leave a little food for them and see how that works. And Boaz notices Ruth, that she and Naomi are poor and hungry. And Boaz reaches down from his position as a kinsman redeemer to protect Ruth. 
to make sure she is physically safe, to make sure her and Naomi have what they need to live. And then all of a sudden the story turns and Boaz and Ruth get married and then Naomi comes into their family and then Naomi is secure, Ruth is secure and even Boaz and Ruth have a little baby named Obed. And don't forget Obed because we're going to get to Obed at the end. And that's the story. That's like any of our stories. It, it just fits together. It's kids and grandkids. It's, it's people living together and trying to figure life out. It's, it's, it's someone stepping up when someone has trouble. It's, it's someone who's in a position of authority, offering strength to someone who's weak and offering protection to someone who's in a vulnerable spot. And even in a difficult time, there are fine people whom God calls and whom and through God works in them and their family. And so God worked through Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. He worked through Jack and Marianne Harris. And today he works through you and me. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says these words. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are the salt. You are the light. And the story of your life and your family makes a difference. And you may look and say, you know, Tim, it's just a little difference. It's not like my son was George Washington or Ben Franklin or whoever. But your family makes a difference. And in a time now of relative chaos in our culture and nuttiness in the world, isn't it marvelous to know that God works in and through us to create order and safety and protection and warm relationships for other people. There's three takeaways from Ruth that I, I think are powerful. And if you haven't listened to Pastor Mike's video and done your life group yet, this week I hope you will. And if you're not in a life group, I hope you'll draw down from our website the video because Pastor Mike's teaching on this is just fabulous. But there's three takeaways from these four little chapters in the Old Testament. And the first is real simple. God is always at work in our lives. Sometimes we think we're so small and so insignificant. Why would God work in us? I don't have influence. I'm not a talker. I'm a life care. I'm a caring, loving person. But what is that when there's so much to do in the world? Well, maybe you can, when you get to heaven, you can ask Mary Ann about that. Because Mary Ann made sure that people were cared for and that her pastors were equipped with this and this when they went out and prayed for and were with people in very difficult times. One here, one there, one here, one there. But in the course of your life, God is always working and he never gives up. So live with a fearless faith when God does his work in and through you. And remember that kindness matters. 
Jack and Marianne started off with probably nothing except love. And God blessed them with a family, children and grandchildren who they dearly loved. And in that family, kindness mattered. And God worked in and through them a legacy of kindness. Second piece to take home. God's story is working out even when it seems like God's quiet. In the time of the judges, it seemed like God was gone. There wasn't a Moses and a burning bush. There wasn't an Abraham and a voice from heaven. There was just the judges and the people of God. Moses and Joshua, long gone. But God was working. The time of judges was a painful time in the history of God's people. They turned away from the worship of the Lord to idols, to the Baals. Baal worship was a lot more fun than following Yahweh. A lot more gross, too. But God was working, even seemed like he was quiet. There were people trying to figure out life, how to eat and make a living, but God was working. And no matter what, no matter how crazy it got, God continued to do God's thing. Working in the lives of families to bring about the redemption of the world. Now, I commented about 10 minutes ago when I started Obed. Let's go back to Obed. This is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. So who was Ruth? She was David's great-grandma. The people of Israel thought that God had kind of been quiet. And yet through this little piece of genealogy, this little piece of history, God kind of looks up and winks and says, I'm still working. I haven't quit. I haven't given up. I brought a, I brought a Moabite in. And Boaz, you're going to marry her. And 14 generations from your great-grandson, is going to be Jesus, the Messiah, who also will be a kinsman redeemer like his great-great-grandpa Boaz was. But Jesus' work of redemption wouldn't be just for a, 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 a worn-out mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. Rather, the, the work of the kinsman redeemer Jesus would be to bring peace with God and to seal the covenant with his blood to be the one who would pay the price for our sins and deliver life to you and me. He would be Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of David, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords, greater than Boaz, Ruth, Obed, and David. His glory and his power found in suffering and dying to redeem you and me from sin and death and the power of evil. And deliver to you and me forgiveness and life and salvation. Even in that little weird time, God was bringing forth his Redeemer to save the world and save us. Sometimes it takes a fearless a fearless faith and a radical trust 
to see God working in small, small pieces of family life. But as we do and we realize that with fearless faith and radical trust, maybe the peace we take home from Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and Jack and Mary Ann is that as we watch God work, we do so with great kindness. Kindness. What a marvelous legacy that would be as the sons of David and the sons of God. Amen.